broadcasting schedule starting next week we had super bowl valentine's day matt wasn't around then for some reason peyton had to go watch i guess that's a music tournament team but what were you down in dallas for uh i've got a little sidekick do some event work you just stand oh, around yeah stand around i didn't even know so i i was at the smu stadium the uh moody coliseum and my job was to guard the uh famous people area i guess or something i don't know um and that was that just stood around watched the basketball game for five hours got paid and now uh, uh when you're aggressively single and have nothing to do you can just spend time making money so that's, that's yeah, what i did no i actually thought memphis was good like i knew they weren't like a tournament team but i was like oh they've got good players and smu just mopped the floor with them it's they kind couldn't of wild. Miss, actually that's not what that i game. expected they couldn't miss in the second half no they remarkable. they I think they were like tied or very close at half, and then it was a twenty-point game pretty quick. Memphis well, is a uh, oh, sorry. Memphis is a dumpster fire because they still have a guy that's probably a lottery pick, um, but they had a kid just basically quit. Like their best player just basically quit in mid-season and is like going to do the G League thing Oof. instead. Yeah, so they're a dumpster fire. They're a mess. Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad Peyton got off the hard streets up there near Highland Park and in the greater Dallas area as uh, what everybody was alluding to when Matthew Stafford came from uh, to make the Super Bowl. Matt, I'm glad to see you didn't get slapped in the face over the weekend. I'm glad, man. I'm happy. Mr. Mr. Greg Gard or whatever the coach from Wisconsin <laughs> got his poor assistant whipped by Jawan Howard. What a – that is – that's oh like among top ten craziest sports videos I, that, I've, that I've watched maybe in the last ten years. So weird. And we're never going to know what the guy said to set Juwan Howard off like that. But well, not, not Greg Gar. We kind of knew what he said. Um, but the assistant that actually got swiped, uh, we're not, we're not, I don't think we're going to know what he said. But I really, really want to know. Yeah, and then five games. He's suspended the rest of the regular season. Juwan Howard is. So Michigan's a bubble team, right? Oh, man. I, I – I, th- I saw like some, right I on I the bubble, some, right? Right so on the just, bubble. They're just, it's just done. It's weird. Well, it's just weird because like they started off, I think like a top five team, like, like to start the year, they were preseason, like top five or six or something like that. And then they're 14 and 10. And now they don't have their head coach for the last or for the remainder of the regular season. And it's, uh, it's going to be tough. I think they have some tough games coming up too. I can't remember who I- I'm sure they'll have to play like Michigan state too. Like it's going to be, it's going to be bad. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the whole Jordan Howard. Everybody wanted him fired, man. I didn't understand that. Now, I didn't realize he threatened to kill another coach last year, Mark Turgeon, actually. Uh, former Oklahoma basketball coach for like 24 hours, Mark Turgeon. Uh, got threatened <laughs> to get killed by Jawan Howard last year uh, during the Big Ten Conference tournament. Maybe he'll go get some anger management these five games. He's going to be suspended for the rest of the year. Uh, as always, we want to thank you guys for listening. 
please go give us a nice review, rate us, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, Spotify, Apple, whatever it may be. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. We'd also appreciate if you guys come over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. A former Oklahoma assistant will be on the podcast tomorrow. Some good stuff being posted over there. Some more interviews going out this week, um, just like the one that will be out tomorrow. And it'll be uh, there for the rest of the offseason. Some tapes being posted that, for some reason, Oklahoma, I don't know who's guarding the Oklahoma defensive tape, but that's starting to float out there. We're starting to take a look at that. So we'd greatly, greatly love to have you. Peyton, there has been a kerfuffle. I'm going to say that. That's really that's a fun word to say. On the interwebs about what are Oklahoma's at in college football. Now, there's been a lot of things said over the last month. We haven't really kind of sat down to talk about and I guess reassess where Oklahoma's at in the current standing in the college football landscape with the change in the SEC, like kind of taking a very nuanced approach with this. So I wanted to throw some numbers out just right off the top. So Oklahoma's 11th, their athletic department came in in 2020 uh, in athletic department total revenue, their expenses, they re reported that they made just less than $2 million in 2020. They've gone down in revenue for a couple of years. Contributions have gone down from 62 million in 2018 down to 40, 43 million, which I would imagine that number is going to continue to go up with that turnip seed around. And so when I throw that out there, I also throw in the fact when you look at the 2023 recruiting class, take say the best thing, the, all the best recruits that they're going after, say that they land everybody. They legit have a chance for a top five class. Say four or five of those guys depart, Peyton, and they have a top 10 class. So recruiting isn't going anywhere. It's going to be either continue to plateau where they're at right now their blue chip ratio has been at about 63, 64% for two or three years now. That's mm -hmm. whether it's going to stay in recruiting. Um, they got a great coaching staff. You know, I, I'm unsure of the Brent Venables hold ordeal is that he's not been a head coach before. I don't know where I actually stand on that. I maybe can get there whenever we're done talking about this. Then they got a great coaching staff right now that has had results before. Um, and then alignment. President to the athletic department, the school administration, athletic department, football program is all really good. And I'll throw it to you at this. I said the story came on. I don't know what Oklahoma looks like heading up into this year, but one of the wisest things is I've been told over time is that you buy into something that's going to be around and is going to grow and continue to progress over a length of time over maybe a startup company that can just shoot up quick and then fail, fail fast as well. Oklahoma's going to be around for a, I just mentioned all those things. Oklahoma's going to be in this competitive space in the landscape of college football among the top 10 programs every single year. And that's not a homer. I'm not trying to make that not be as a homer stick as possible. Like, this is where they stand. They'd be fifth in the SEC in athletic department revenue, fifth or sixth. They're going to recruit at a really high level. They're going to have one of the top 10 talent, talented rosters in college football every single year. They got a great coaching staff. I just think trying to predict the downfall is like trying to time when Oklahoma is going to fail. 
And I'm just going to say this. I've been around Oklahoma and doing this kind of related space for five, six, seven years now before I, I'm done with my spiel here being really long-winded. I thought Oklahoma died fourteen in the fourth quarter of the Baylor game, the home game. If that couldn't do it, it's going to take some NCAA penalties to, to keep Oklahoma from not finding a way to find a way to get back, at least competing at the top of college football. Where have you been at with this whole last month? And I guess that's kind of my first thoughts out there on this thing. Well, I mean, it, the, the, the continue, to continue your, your kind of thought process there, and this is something that's kind of plagued OU um, in the playoff era. You know, OU gets to playoff, OU doesn't win. <clears throat> then you have teams like, you know, Texas fans and AM fans being like, well, OU's trash. And it's like, well, you guys could even make the playoff. And the thing is, it's like, once the narrative is set, though, that you can't win the playoff, you know, people are ready to move on. They're ready to get, get stuff out of the way. Um, I believe there is a old, uh, you guys are way too young for this. So, uh, uh, I gotta, there's an old movie from Leo, Leo DiCaprio right after, uh, right after Titanic. Right. And in that film, the beach in that films, one of the characters gets uh, bitten by a shark and everyone's very happy. Everyone's not very happy. Everyone's very attentive. Everyone's very helping. And, you know, this dude's, he's just survived a shark attack and they're trying to help him out. You know, they're Stranos Island. They're doing everything he can, but he doesn't die, but he doesn't get better. He just stays in this kind of like injured for like most of the movie and people stop caring and they start getting really mad at him for, you know, it's like do something like, don't just stay in this little limbo area. And to me, that's kind of where OU has been in for um, the last six years or so since the playoffs started have been in this little limbo area of like, okay, you're not getting beyond where you're going ever. Like it's, it just doesn't seem to be happening. And you're taking up, you're quote unquote, taking up space. Like, why are you wasting our time type of thing? So it makes sense for all the national media people to be really on top of this and thinking, finally, we can move on from Oklahoma making the playoff or almost making the playoff every year because now they're dead. They don't have Lincoln Riley, who before Lincoln Riley, OU was a desperate poor program, apparently. Uh, OU never recruited in the top 10 before Lincoln Riley, apparently. You know, you know, all these things over and over. Oh, you never had a good offense before Lincoln Riley, you know, apparently, quote unquote. So it's it's just idea of it needs a break one way or the other. That's something I've talked to a lot of friends about is like, oh, you just need to win a playoff game. I don't care if they lose by 50 in the national championship game. They just need to win a playoff game. So then to prove, hey, we can do it. It can be it can be done here in Oklahoma. Oh, uh, you hasn't done that. But the thing that happened before you had a chance to win one was that their program got completely gutted. So obviously, if you're just kind of playing that stuff out, it makes sense for it to lean that way. And then on the other side of that, another thing that kind of reinforces kind of what you're saying, OU is government bonds. They're not sexy. You can you dump money into them. You're going to get, I think it's a tenth of a penny on the investment after a year or something or something like that. It's, it's, not, sure. it's, not a huge, it's not a huge investment thing. It's something you do. You throw a lot of money in it. It's going to be safe. It's U.S. government. It's going to fly through. It's not Dogecoin. It's not um, kitten crypto, you know, all that type of stuff that kind of blows up overnight. And that's what people keep looking at like Texas for and keep looking at maybe a Florida state or keep looking at USC where it's like it just doesn't 
make sense why these things don't work. You have all this talent, you have all this money, it should just boom to the moon. You know, we're diamond hands here. Um, but it just it doesn't seem to work uh, over and over again. And that kind of falls in line from some of your other points of just alignment. Those schools just don't have the alignment. Sure, they have all the resources in the world, but if everything's going all over the place and all these different people are doing different things, if the AD doesn't agree with the president and the president doesn't like the head coach and you know the head coach is half of a coach <laughs> and only coaches one side, the football team doesn't even worry about the other side. It just makes sense. It, it, it makes sense why those teams don't work out that way, but it's really hard for people and myself included to look at stuff from a structural perspective, from a procedural perspective and really kind of see the root of the evils. You want to look for the big, you want to look at the results of everything. You know, you want to see these big factors that should input, that should, that should mess with it. You know, you're going to look at your inputs and your outputs. No one really likes to look at what's happening in the middle. So like Texas input, largest, largest revenue generating a college football program of all time in the most talent rich state in the nation, <laughs> you know, so on and so forth. And your output should match that, but it never does. And so it's really hard to kind of say, here's the reason why it doesn't. And like, I was just looking at, like, I don't know what the operation side of it was, but I was looking at the 2021 numbers. OU is the sixth most profitable um, athletic program at $229 million. Um, and that is while bringing in Big 12 money, Texas and Texas A&M tied for $147 million. Uh, so you, know, you, add, you add SEC payout to that, OU is in the top five. They probably jump Ohio State, which is making 132. Well, actually, I don't know. Big, Big Ten's about to get paid a lot of money. Um, Michigan bringing in 139 was a million, was something that was surprising to me. Um, I saw the 2022 budget at the end lineup thing. Alabama operated a surplus of $9 million for its athletic department. Uh, to give you a thing, I think Texas, quote-unquote Texas, makes a quote-unquote profit of like $250,000. These teams do not like having extra money. They do not like having a surplus. <laughs> In Alabama, not being able to like tax hole loop away $9 million lets you know they just, they make so much money they don't know what to do with at that point in time. Because athletic programs, you get the money, you spend the money. Because guess what? It's coming back the exact same amount or more next year. So if you get it, spend it. So if you have teams like Alabama bringing in $9 million and on the record saying we have a $9 million surplus, it lets you know the SEC teams are being taken care of at a level, I mean, at an obvious level that, uh, the, the big the big 12 teams don't have and so they're bringing in but i mean I, i'm long i'm long one did i'm, I'm going to have alan kenny on recording with him on wednesday to talk about this from a, a national perspective because even he started kind of bucking up and i consider him like the obi-wan kenobi of ou twitter ou fan base so <laughs> if, if he if he starts acting kind of if he starts getting in, into his uh you know aggravations about it you can tell it's kind of it's kind of tipped to a certain point but i mean ou's been here for a hundred years They've had one down era, which is like really four years. That's it. So it's people really, really doom casting, really wanting it to happen. I think the two points I made about it, one, OU's is generally not a sexy program. And two, OU's been kind of stuck in this not quite elite area under Lincoln Riley that people kind of are tired of seeing them. You know, think about the NFL, you know, for you get tired of seeing some of these teams. 
like the you know the texans when they're just making it just to get bounced in the first round or something it's like come on guys let's go let's what are you doing here just blow it up <laughs> do something else like you've hit your ceiling so i think there is a perspective that oh you hit its ceiling under lincoln riley and that was the first round exit by usually losing in embarrassing fashion so i what i one i want to emphasize this like this is nothing in terms of projecting towards next season because i think there's part of the conversation right now regarding oklahoma or at least what's been the last month Peyton, has been really focused on okay their downfall is coming right now and we talked about yeah. this before we came on if oklahoma goes nine and three and their defense actually improves by five points which is what sp plus has early on like if that happens there's gonna, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of, pe- lot of people like me that do follow the sport at a much closer level. Not saying I'm, I'm gonna say this first. Bud Elliott's fantastic. I think he had a bad take, and I think that he didn't realize kind of the links of some of the things that he said, which is fine. Um, well, Bud, I mean, Bud, he at least had a very strong rubric of how he was doing the coaching stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just an idiotic rubric. Sure. I mean, to say Mario Mario Cristobal is a is a five star hire because one he's coached somewhere before and two he's recruited well. What has he shown you? Uh, he's go, he's living off of beating Ohio State one time. Yeah, and, that, and and like he had, and everyone's like, "Well, wait until he gets a quarterback." He had one. He has a franchise quarterback starting for the Chargers right now that he had no idea how to use. I mean, I think if I remember right, Keegan, I think you, you may have been like, oh, Herbert's is going to be a complete bomb in the NFL. Like, he, like he's I was, just not reading defenses. He looks horrible. I was, I was of the opinion, and like, I, I have shown this in the Pete Kwiatkowski tape when I went back and studied Washington. Like, in that Washington-Oregon game, like, how that guy has become the guy he is now, like, I'm amazed. And yeah. I think a lot of people, especially NFL draft people, like, it's okay. Like, he just, there's things, again, this is off topic, but like, there's information that we do not get to obtain. Like we yeah. don't get to know who Justin Herbert is. And that is so much a part of the valuation, especially at that position. Um, and again, we'll probably dive into more of that at the end, but yeah. I I'm again, like it's, it's wild to me, Peyton, that like of the opinion that if, if Oklahoma goes like nine and three this year, their win total is going to be nine, nine and a half games. Mm-hmm. If they go nine and three, like, that's the expectation. Now, again, I've talked about this before. Like, there's a difference between the expectation of the fan. The yes. fan wants to yeah. see Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to see them win every all these games this year. For one, obviously for pride, bragging rights, all that fun stuff. But then two, I think it, it's it would be confirmation bias of the last regime was soft, and the last regime couldn't wasn't going to be the group that could get us to win a national championship. And I think that's the narrative that we're all fighting right now. And I'm not saying you're fighting it. I have tried not to talk about Oklahoma as much as I possibly can over the last <laughs> couple of months. Um, but I think that's the problem where, cause I think so many people are getting engaged with this idea of Oklahoma's got a brand new staff. It's better than this last staff that they had. The quarterback production that Oklahoma is bringing in was as good as what they had before. Um, you kind of look at all those things and you can talk yourself into, well, Oklahoma may be, a better football team in 2022 than they were in 2021. And again, I think that's just projecting so much. I mean, the quarterback's got to be much better. The offensive line has to take massive strides. Uh, linebacker play, which 
we're going to talk about this in a second. Linebacker play has to improve. And then obviously the defensive line surrounding Jalen Redmond is going to, is going to have to improve as well. I do think OU fans are right whenever they're having these arguments on Twitter. I think they're right mm-hmm. in two aspects. I think the offensive line play is going to improve by default. And I think the linebacker in play, the linebacker play is going to improve by default. Now, the problem is, is I'm still unsure about the OC and the quarterback. And that's nothing against Jeff Levy. I just think that he's going to be going up against defenses. And I'm going to try to explain this the best I can. He's going to be going up against defenses that are built to stop him. Like these defenses were found because of what our Bryos did. And that offense mm-hmm. always tend, it's, it seems to take and exert so much energy to score and get yards out of this system against these style of defenses. Now, there are some beautiful clips I posted some today of some run game stuff that they did against Arkansas that you can find on our Patreon um, at patreon.com slash through the keyhole where we broke it down where he did a really good job. So when you're looking at in the run game um, in that in that game, because teams seem to struggle to run the football against the Iowa States and the Oklahoma States of the world, all that fun stuff. Now, back to kind of where I'm at, Peyton, it's when you look ahead to the season, one, it doesn't define now you go five and seven and you lose to Kansas at home. I think you're that conversation completely off, but yeah. five the entire staff. <laughs> Who, I mean, a, a top level talented team in the big 12 going five and seven and losing to Kansas. You have to bring back the firing squad, to be honest with you, literally and figuratively. I, 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 I'd be shocked if I heard that team had done that from like a Texas or an Oklahoma standpoint. That's just wild. So I think if that happens, that conversation's off. Keegan, be self-aware of that. That conversation's off. Um, I just don't see like how you can look at this season, Peyton, and view it this upcoming season and view it anything more than just, this is the first year of the Brent Venable system. Like if they win the big 12, great. If they go to the playoff, fantastic. If they go eight and four and the defense improves by incredible margins, we're talking about the defense here in a little bit. If the defense improves by an incredible margin, I think everything that people want will come in due time. So you said earlier, if, if Vegas sets it like nine and a half, oh, you go sign at three, you know, they've met expectations, but those would be somewhat like an external expectation. Are you sure? Do, I mean, do you have a sense? I mean, let's say you're Brett Venables. What, what are your internal expectations? Are you going the full? I mean, I wish we had a soundboard so Matt could play it. Are we going full Matt Campbell? on this like we had no plans that's all you guys i don't know what you're talking about i mean i mean are you up there kind of that's telling them what's going up yeah i think that's a good question one i think there's a great lesson in terms of what we were just talking about a second ago there's a great lesson to be taken by the university of texas in 2021 you have all these problems anybody with an eye that has watched college football over the length of the last 20 years or 30 years knows Texans had major problems on the offensive line and to continue to promote the I'm not saying the all gas the was all gas no breaks phrase that they use <laughs> yep. like not to say to get rid of that but to not diminish any of those just outrageous expectations that Texas always gets every single year like to not kind of take a step back and we've got a bunch of really good players I like the foundation that we're building. Like there's phrases you can use that can be people you can give up. Okay. Like maybe this coaching staff doesn't think we're as good as what we think they are. And I think that's kind of the spot Brent Venables is obviously in 
Um, but at the same time, Peyton, like for the honeymoon phase and for the recruiting, for everything for all to work, obviously you need to promote, 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 hype, hype, hype as much from within as possible, which will get the fans talking, you know, coaches will be happy. The recruits will be happy, all that fun stuff. But the problem is, is if that backfires and say, OU does go seven and five or eight and four next season. And again, I don't have them at that. Um, but if that does happen, these national media pundits, they will, this, that'll light a freaking fire underneath them. Like they'll come out in droves about, yeah. we're right, Oklahoma, this isn't going to be who they are. They're about to go to the SEC. They're going to lose this and that. Like that's where that comes. So from the internal expectation, I think it's really easy. Um, you've got a road game against Nebraska. Got a dog. I can't, I can't escape house, even house sitting a dog wanting to get involved in the podcast. Um, I think you got a road game against Nebraska. Come on, man. Not now. Not now, dude. You got a, you got a home game. You got a road game against Nebraska. You need to win. Um, I think they've got a, a pretty difficult non-conference game, beat Texas. And then from there, see what the rest of the season looks like. Because I think there's so much unknown. And again, I, I know I'm, this is getting very coach speak. There is so much known about this Big 12 this year, Peyton, about who's going to be good, what units are going to be good on what teams, what matchups look like week to week. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you can feel confident about anything if you're in his position. Now, long story short, too long didn't read there. Brent's got to hype it up because it, it affects recruiting. It gets more donors engaged, you know, and the can know that it's a big risk. But uh, it's it's a big it's a big risk. But if it if it blow if it works, that can carry a top five class into another top five class into another top five class after that, and it's all worth it in the end. So I kind of laid that all out. The I think I hope and the best that I possibly could. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot of stuff. It, it's hard just it's hard to ignore the noise. It, it truly is. I mean, I get caught up by it. I'm, you. I mean, we all get caught up by it. But it just doesn't make any sense. I mean. Like you said, 2021 Texas, people were all over themselves. And I remember being in some in a, a Red Dirt Sports Discord early on in the season saying, they're not beating Arkansas. Like, I don't know what you guys are thinking. And there's like two or three prominent posters in there. And again, it, to join that Discord, guys, just jump on uh, Red Dirt Sports Patreon. Great dude uh, supports us as best he can. Uh, I, I'm all about supporting as much uh, OU media as possible. I think it's pretty cool. There's Discord like calling me an idiot saying, oh, no, uh, uh, Texas D-line's going to be great. And uh, uh, Arkansas is uh, O-line. I mean, you're talking to me right now, too. It's it's horrible. No, I mean, mean, you're kind of like like the linebackers are super bad. But the the talk that was happening was like, oh, Arkansas's O-line is so bad. I thought they would kick Arkansas's ass. I will own up to that right now. And I was sitting there going like, are we looking at this? And my whole thing was like, are we just looking at the same Sam Pittman? Do, do, you, do you not know this dude's legit? And everyone's like, oh, no, he's super legit. But it's like a three- or four-year build. I'm like, no, dog. <laughs> that, and that's just how my mind was working at that time. And, I, and I just, it's just a guess. It's just intuition. Your feet, just how you felt Texas should win. And I'm sure after the Louisiana game, people are like, oh, yeah, this Texas team's for real. These people have uh, built up was, Louisiana to way, a certain I degree. Was, I was way off. I was already that game. I went back and rewatched it. I remember uh-huh. breaking it down and was just like, oh, boy. Like, their card's not ready yet. He's holding uh-huh. on to the football already. Defense isn't tackling. Like, there was a bunch, but I kind of stuck by it. 
Um, I want to throw this. I want to throw this to you from this aspect. If you look analytically, mm-hmm. since 2014, the playoffs started. Oklahoma's a top five fo- football program. Yeah, and I would imagine, I and I and that's with the 2014, 2020, and 21 seasons happening. They're still a top mm-hmm. five in terms of efficiency, in terms of everything. Um, any advanced statistic that you basically you can pull up, there you'll find them top five, top six, top seven, probably at the very least. Like, final thing, kind of two things on this topic. Are people ignoring that? Is that that's? I guess that's kind of where we're coming from from the aspect no, it, of like people are trying to like sell the peak, you know? And it's like we don't know if that peak can. Like, I think that ceiling could be higher than what it is right now at Oklahoma. And I think it kind of just goes back to now and I'm going to circle back to the point I was making beforehand uh, about the, I was doing a thing. I was doing a comparison of Texas. No, you're but, good. Uh, you're good. My fault. I think, I think, no, 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 you're fine. I think it's just, OU is just boring. I, I'm just going to say that. I know there's OU fans that maybe you guys don't think that OU is kind of a boring team. It's a boring program to a certain degree. I mean, we're putting, you know, six dudes in, in the NFL draft every year, but it's like, you know, one first rounder, maybe two second rounders and a bunch of fifth and sixth rounders, you know, and Alabama's putting seven in the first round. So, I mean, there's just a different level there in Oklahoma. Just again, we hate it, but we, hell, I, I live in Southeastern Oklahoma. So it's like even more remote, even more flyover country, <laughs> you know, if we don't have, and so it's just kind of who Oklahoma is. And I think Oklahoma fans and the Sooner fan base and the Sooner administration kind of understand that they kind of understand the overall personality of the state is count us out if you want to but we're going to be there at the end of the day type of a thing and and that's hard to keep saying because then you're kind of looking like oh it's it's the scrappy guy who's just in the fight and he's like you know playing the weird offenses or it's like an iowa state thing like they're playing these, this weird defense. It's keeping everyone close. It's bringing everything in the rock fights. And you look at Lincoln Riley, he never dominated. Those teams never dominated very often. They're beating Texas by three or seven points or five points or something. They're, you know, they're getting by in, because of fourth quarter stuff. And if you look at that and, and then you remove Lincoln Riley, it's like, oh, Lincoln Riley's genius was the only thing keeping them from losing all those games. In reality, Lincoln Riley, in my mind, is best suited as an NFL head coach. He's very analytical. He's trying to out-scheme you. He's not really trying to rip and play too much. He's trying to control everything. He's very much a, a Shanahan or a McFay, in my opinion, which is great in the NFL because those come down to play by play by play. And college football, as Alan Kinney has said, and uh, I think Bomani Jones has said too, to a certain degree, college football is about kicking ass. <laughs> it's about putting big dudes on the line and just telling you, you're just kind of, I mean, you have schemes and stuff, but I don't know if you watch some of the Georgia schemes and all that type of stuff, or especially on offense. It doesn't look too terribly complicated, in my opinion. The thing is, they've got five star wide receivers and five star running backs and five star offensive linemen. So it all just kind of works out. Um, and I was again in another argument uh, on 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 a, on a Discord about Levy, and they're like, "Yeah, we want this, le- you know, top ten offense." I was like, "I ah, I don't know if I want the Meerkat to come back." Like just me personally, like I'm, I, and maybe it won't be as Meerkatty. And I was like, "I don't like the idea how the Bear Raid is, where Bear Raid looks at a defense and says, okay, we 'Okay, we've got numbers over here. We're always going to go to where the where the numbers aren't.' 
I'm like, well, then you're letting the defense dictate your entire offensive strategy over and over and over again. And big schools like OU or Alabama or Ohio State, they should sit there and say, yeah, you've got seven over there, but eh, well, we're going to block you. <laughs> we're going to run down your throat. You know, you need to be able to have that. That's like imposing your will to a certain degree. So to me, the Levy offense, to a certain degree, is a little like passive, in my opinion. Uh, and you can be dictated to, and then you can get caught. Like you can show somebody something early. Oh, we have numbers over there. And then all of a sudden, pre-snapped movement happens. So you don't have numbers over there anymore because you're only allowing yourself to play a certain way that's being dictated to you. Instead of you dictating to the defense of what, here's what we're going to do. So I'm just not the biggest fan of that, but overall, there's some stuff that we'll get into this topic later uh, that, that, ha that has me kind of promising on the, on the offensive hire um, and, and where Brent Bramble's coming from. But the, the, the conversation I was trying to have, the 2021 Texas team, who is the 2021 Texas team coming up? I think all three of us think it's the same team, but everyone seems to think, oh, brand new quarterback. Oh, they've got the skill positions, but oh, you're still missing the guts of a football team just like Texas was. Well, give me just a second. Matt, who do you think I'm talking about? It's a neat, it's a layup. It's a layup. Who who, who will be who will be the 2021 Texas of the 2022 season? It's got a bunch of hype. They got the new coach. They've got this brand new quarterback. They've got these fantastic skill oh, positions. USC or you so that's, you're going that's to my mind. That's my mind. I'm, I'm not they, they may not go five and seven, but they're still like half of a football team. <laughs> but for some reason, everyone's thinking. Oh, that's a 10 and two football team. That's 11 on football team. Easy. Like I cannot wait for their biggest number to come out and just put $500 on the under. I mean, it'll it's going to be like gonna nine be and a half. Number. It's going to be, you think so? It's going to be pretty, it'll probably be pretty low. SP there's point, I'm there's telling, money Vegas to be made. Baked in, no, I know Vegas baked in SP plus. You can, you can tell that they have over the last couple of years. So USC being as low as they were is pretty alarming like i would imagine yeah. their win total is gonna be like seven and a half eight and that'll be a number that probably isn't touched by a ton of people the money they're gonna make is on texas and either oh, they're gonna lose yeah. they're gonna lose a lot or they're gonna make a lot like there's gonna be a lot of back and forth on what texas is gonna be this year now i thought you were gonna go the miami route because i don't think I miami's like i don't think miami's being hyped up nearly to the level i don't think anyone's saying miami playoff team miami's miami's yeah. hyped up year was this past year like they yes, had already everyone got, they, er, everyone got burned on miami already <laughs> they're not doing that two times no, in a row sure the other one is like let me since we're on this kind of conversation and this is for both you guys like is people not talking i don't understand why people aren't talking more about clemson falling off than Oklahoma. And I feel, I know I'm falling into the same trap as everybody else. And I hope, I know clubs and message board posters are wild and rabid like Oklahoma's, but like, am I wrong in that? Like, I feel like everybody's just like, Oh, Clemson's out there. They're won a national championship done this. And it's like, did we, did we all not watch their offense just look like dog? You know what? For 12 games. I think it's just that they just didn't lose their head coach. If Dabo retired or something like that were to happen, I think people would have been, you know, the, the alarms would have been going to a very large degree. But, I mean, there is some. 
there I've, I've seen some alarm takes on that being like well they lost their dc they lost the oc i believe they're losing some internal you know turnip seed they're losing some internal stuff on the academic side on the uh, od side and stuff like that so uh, but it's been mainly played up as the ACC is getting stronger. People are really, because people are pointing at Miami. People are pointing at Florida State. People are pointing at NC State and saying, hey, um, can these teams finally pop up and get them? And I, I think that's where it's coming from. You've seen it already happen once. And honestly, I mean, Clemson isn't in blue blood. So I don't think it just gets a, uh, I don't think it just gets a level of response in, in my opinion. I mean, I think everyone kind of That's understood. True. Sure. I think everyone kind of understood Clemson was going to, once Clemson had the run, it was like, okay, they were just a run. They were never going to go toe to toe with Alabama for 10 years. It just wasn't going to happen. Uh, and it's kind of the runs over. And I think everyone's kind of made peace with that. And I think everyone's, I think the national, national media members are trying to sell you on the fact that OU's quote unquote run is over. A 21-year run <laughs> is over, which is yeah, just wild. It's kind thing. of I, it, it's like it's like people when Kansas was bad through two or three years ago. It was like all the people that were like, "Oh, Bill Self's done. People have figured him out. The FBI is going to come drag him out of that place. Kansas is done." And it's like the next year they're freaking good. This year they're freaking good, and they're going to win the Big Twelve again. Like I just like if you gave me. Let's think. Let's let's five programs that have been the news this offseason. Let's go six. Let's throw six in there. Let's go Oklahoma, USC, Texas A&M, LSU, Miami, and Michigan. I'm feel pretty good, and I'm not. I know like there's only Miami. I'm intrigued by. I still worry some infrastructure stuff. I mean, they've got their biggest donors are in Twitter Spaces talking about what they're doing. With the athletic department, like I again, there's just some things that turn me oh, off. That about healthcare money. Situation. Oh, I know. And then, but I just don't, I don't see like how you you can put up that list and say and confidently not just say Oklahoma. And maybe it's just for conversation and what we're talking about. Um, because I will it's say just, I don't want to. I don't. I don't mention this very often. I was the first one that came out and said it. It's like they're people are trying to drive up engagement numbers and OU fans are just yeah. giving it into them. And we were talking about this three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And it's like, there's part of that. There's part of it. That's probably true that I do think that there's major questions on this team and kind of even some units on this team, offensive line quarterback um, that are questionable. But again, you kind of look at the whole structure of it. And if you just pull everything out, the athletic department's making a sh shit ton of money. They've got a, a head coach that is going to be, he's a program guy. I will give him the benefit of the doubt. He is definitely here as long as he wants to be here um, and will be here. I don't see him. I don't see Venables as an NFL guy by any means. Um, there's everything's in place for Oklahoma to kind of continue to be this machine. It may not just be, it may not be 12 and 0 this season or 11 and one. They may not have a quarterback running around everybody in the back of the pocket and making plays. They may not have, First round receivers, maybe we'll see what happens with Marvin Mims. We'll see. Um, they may not have first round receivers running downfield. That may not be the case this season. But Jalen Hale is right in Dallas. Arnold is right in Dallas. Like, I think people are just, they're not looking at what 24 and 25 could be, which is kind of how I view the next peak window for Oklahoma football. 
it may not be right now. And I think that that needs to be okay. Like, like, I, I guess that's been part of my whole year zero spiel back a couple months ago where I got yelled at by everybody. Um, it's like, it's okay if it doesn't happen this year. Let's just kind of see. I mean, I, I think there's valid questions to be had, but it's well, been if fun. You're betting, I'll, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, if, you, if you're betting on something and, and it's your money, and, I, and if I were not an OU fan, there'd be zero chance I put money on OU. There's too many question marks. Even from a, even from a homeowner's perspective, there's just too many. A head, a first-time head coach, first-time off, first-time offensive coordinator that is under his own control, quarterback transferring in, a bunch of wide receivers gone, a bunch of running backs gone. You know, all, so many productive guys gone on the. I mean, the, the entire staff <laughs> basically gone from last year. It doesn't. To me, you'd, you'd you'd almost be somewhat foolish unless you're just like had an invested interest in OU being good. You know, I don't think I would bet on them if I was not an OU fan. I mean, that, that's just me being like thinking about from an analytical side of things from so, or maybe not analytical sure. from a logical side of things. <laughs> <coughs> Almost done. Go. No, you're good. I, I would say like talk to some of the big 12 people that we talked to that Peyton will talk to over the coming weeks. Um, we've been, and I think there's a question of Baylor's the best offensive line in the big 12 who's behind them, like heading into the year. And, like, sneakily enough, like, I do think it's Oklahoma. Like, if you look at the talent that they have in terms of they've got six guys I can name up right now. Anton Harrison, Wanya Morris, Aaron Parks, Andrew Rain, Chris Murray. Dang it, I forgot the sixth one. But they have six guys that have elite traits um, along the offensive line that they just kind of have to continue. And Anton Harrison, I maybe said that. They have to continue to, you know, fine tool these guys. Then you have the McCabe Matowers and the Robert Conjols of the world that are your kind of five hearts. You can count on them to come in and give you a tons of good reps. And maybe I'm wrong on McCabe Matower. I would love to be. I'd love to, I'd love to be proven wrong on that. But like if Oklahoma's offensive line improves, Peyton, and this is nine months ahead, it's seven months ahead of yeah. football season. Yeah. Um, but if Oklahoma's offensive line improves to the best offensive line in the Big 12, because they certainly have the highest ceiling. Like yeah. that changes the entire picture, but we won't know that until six games into the season. Are we, can we establish something and Matt jump again? I'm Matt, you haven't jumped in yet. Matt jump in on this. Can we just wait until OU Texas that game to make any justification on either of those teams this year? Because there is some Texas big 12 chatter from, I'll even say some analytics folks that think they kind of have things put together that they could rise to the top. But can we just wait on this OU team until then? Because my God, our opinions changed that day. I can tell you that in every facet possible. In that no, I'm with you. They, they are going to change. I, I, my whole thing is I, I don't, I kind of agree with you on like the year zero. I wouldn't call it like a year zero, but it's just kind of like, Hey, whatever happens happens. I'm just like, hey, whatever happens, happens, man. I like, I don't agree with calling it a year zero. Like, oh, if he goes four and eight, oh, big whoop. But like, no, I'm I'm with you on the like the low expectations coming into the year, and then you know let him let him go over your bar, your low bar, right? Let him let him jump over that low bar that you've set for yourself. Don't don't set yourself to be like, oh, we got Brent, this great staff, we're going to the playoff, baby. Like, don't, don't do that to yourself. Just come in, low expectations, 
whatever happens happens like and i'm sure that if you come in with low expectations they will over deliver i believe um but no i'm with you wait wait till and you get to watch texas just get their doors blown off by alabama this season so just enjoy that enjoy it and they're gonna have a first time quarterback like this is my whole deal like quinn ewers i'm sure is really good like seen his highlights saw his rankings like yeah like he he should be billed to be the next best thing but uh they also haven't had good quarterback play since colt mccoy so just kind of playing the odds here yeah i mean that's a million dollar quarterback they've got coming in so that's i mean he should be good i mean if not that's that's hurting the salary cap to kind of carry that that dead money around it's a bad contract <clears throat> it's a bad contract it's a very bad contract very bad contract it's very bad just like me trying to uh, uh breathe in saliva into my my lungs uh, trying to kill myself on, on radio, on radio, on the podcast. Uh, yeah. I mean, all that stuff, it just doesn't quite seem to make sense. I think OU's, um, OU's offensive line could be better, but it's so hard to project that stuff out. It's just mm-hmm. so hard. Uh, now defensive line, I, I'm start. Now this is based on saying one photograph. And it's very much a nickelback. Look at this photograph moment for me. Uh, I saw a picture of Trace Ford today. And I'm already decided uh, Oklahoma State may have the best defensive line. <laughs> uh, it's it's that quick. I'm like, oh, he put on weight. He's a big boy now. Like he's not. He's because before he was kind of like on an edge type of dude. But now I'm like, oh, 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 they can do a lot more stuff with him now in, in a way that makes sense. Not like we're just gonna play him inside because it's a third down package or something. But now it's like, okay, that's that's gonna be an issue. Uh, full nonstop and and Baylor's strength wasn't a defensive line strength defensive line held up pretty well but I think you know the big 12 player of the year or defensive player of the year was was their main source of havoc to a certain degree so um it'll be interesting to see where OU falls in line with that I, I could easily see OU be the third offensive line and the third defensive line and if you're that then hey you're really consistent and you probably win most of your football games that's I think that's probably the prevailing thought throughout all this. Again, I for what everything we just talked about, try to wrap it up in little literally 30 seconds. People have a talking long term, but they're really talking short term about Oklahoma football. Yeah. And it doesn't make quite sense. It doesn't make much sense that this is that's something that's going on. Oklahoma long term is set up from everything you look at in terms of college football programs, set up to continue to have success and sustained success over lengths of period of time. And uh, expectations suck, and talking about it in February also sucks. So let's talk about the 2021 defense, Peyton, because, one, we got to cover this first. Go ahead, Go ahead Peyton. One second. I'm also going to wrap it up in 30 seconds, but much more confusing. OU is GameStop. GameStop. National media has decided GameStop or slash OU is to die. So what we have to do is buy and hold. Okay, as a fandom, buy and hold, and OU is going to make it through this. I think I use a GIF online. I want everyone to download it or whatever. Uh, I made it. It's a Clefairy using Toxic on a Bidoof, and it says at the bottom, OU Twitter has used Toxic. So (laughs) be as toxic as possible. Hold the line against these people. Okay, back to you. Well, I don't know how I can top that. Uh, I would say this. Weird. Everybody, we've talked to the Perry on Winfrey interview that he's done uh, with the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast with Eichert and Lehman. 
which was he kind of went in on the OU defensive scheme, rotations, all that fun stuff. Uh, so let's say some OU defensive tape has started to make its way out. And one, we're going to talk about this first because I think it's very interesting. Peyton, Oklahoma State offensive tape a year ago was really hard to find. So the, after the 2020 season, when Oklahoma State's offense was like in the bottom 75% of college football, you could not find any Oklahoma State offensive tape. You also couldn't find any TCU offensive tape out last offseason. It was really, really hard to find. Oklahoma defensive tape, I have four of their games. I can, I, we got OU's offensive tape in season. In season. And I knew that it was trickling out. Are they hiding the OU defensive tape, Peyton? I know you're not in the black market for uh, film. I wrote down on my notes, I have exhausted all of my resources to find OU defensive tape. And last week is the first time I found any. And what's funny, Peyton, someone shared it to me that I don't know who that name is. He got my email from my Twitter account and sent it over to me. Had no idea who the guy is. He's the only OU defensive tape I've been able to get. None of my think, normal folks have it. Yeah. I, I think mainly it's just – sorry. I, I think mainly it's just a lack of – I mean, Grinch is gone. Uh, usually that stuff is, you know, dude say on, on you know, he's usually attached to a team or something. I mean, I just, I just don't think there's a, enough interest to look at 2021 OU defense because it's not going to be the same in 2022, and the guy who made the 2021 defense is no longer residing in the state of Oklahoma. So I think you mainly just purely ran into um, just a complete and utter lack of interest on the defensive side of football. And talk there about that. There is no twenty twenty one USC tape either. I can't find any of that. Oh, that's garbage. I mean, they fired they fired their coach like two games <laughs> in. It's, I mean, there's just it's a complete reset on both sides. So, and then also talk about the Perry on Winfrey thing. He says one thing on one podcast, and then he goes to the big national. I think he was on like a 24-7 podcast, and he was speaking roses yeah. and stuff about the staff. So maybe he felt safer in the OU run type of podcast that sure. he could let it out. Sure. But I think maybe his agent was like, hey, when you get on this bigger one, play nice. Don't you know? throw the entire Don't, defensive yeah. staff yeah. under the bus. No. So he, he was very much like everyone made business decisions. I totally understand it, da-da-da-da-da. Um, so – when you listen to these guys, listen to what, look at what out, you know, see the outlet they're talking to. So I want to say there, but I think there's just no interest in the defensive tape. And why would there be? I mean, the only people who are going to watch it are US or USC tape guys. And I don't think those exist. So uh, what are you going to do? Well, draft people, that's what's been driving them crazy. They can't get it in any of their hands. They see Perron Winfrey blowing up at the senior bowl and they can't, they're all hitting me my, up and like, oh, where's the OU defensive tape? Where's the OU defensive tape? Well, I can't get any. Anyways. That's wild. Anyways, yeah, I'm talking like some heavy hitters, like big name NFL draft people can't, can't find any OU defensive tape. And it's crazy to me. So let's dive into some of the things that we found. I'm going to, the three tapes I have so far, Peyton, the West Virginia game, the Kansas State game, and the Bedlam game. So, Little things that nuggets that you learn from that. The Bedlam game, you could tell Jalen Redmond, Woody Washington, the DeLaron Turniel return. Very much so. It was uh, Woody Washington had a busted coverage on that touchdown to Tay Martin in that game early on, but he was fantastic. Everything else besides that 
you can tell his speed is going to be in what Venables wants. His top end speed is going to be interesting, which is we'll talk about on this podcast. But uh, I am all aboard the Woody Washington the safety move potential. If that that's not a thing, I'm just going to try to will it into existence for everybody. Um, Jalen Redmond's back and he looks fantastic. I mean, physical. He was a little stiff at the back end of the year, but coming off an injury, I'm not surprised by that. When that Nebraska OU defense against Nebraska pops up, that's going to be wild, 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 wild. Um, And I'll throw throw it over to you at this. I've talked to some high school coaches here in the state of Oklahoma, uh, as well as college coaches, you know, people that watch tape, whatever it may be. Um, The Kansas State and West Virginia games are so bad in terms of fundamental functional defense, Peyton, that, like, I don't – I don't know if anything that they said to those guys got across. That's on everybody. That's everybody's fault. That's players. That's coaches. That's Lincoln Riley. That's the strength staff. If you want to blame it on Vinny Wiley, uh, which is really easy to do sometimes. Um, it's like nothing that they said got across to them. And here's why. In the West Virginia game, they ran a slant flat concept. I actually missed one. I went and found out I missed it. They ran a slant flat concept 14 times. 11 of those 14 plays were considered successful plays. And those plays averaged around seven and a half yards per play. Seven and a half. We're talking a basic concept in football that's been run since they started doing shotgun in the NFL and got away from whatever they were running beforehand. I don't know if it was a triple option or whatever it was. They couldn't stop it. They had no answer for it. They had eight coverage busts. Eight. Got my untrained eye. I'll just say that. I'm not inside those walls. I don't know those calls. Eight. There's a little bit of what Perion said I think is true. There's also, now that I'm seeing everything from a bird's eye view, seeing everything on the field, um, kind of gives you some hope that maybe that there is some truth to OU's defense taking a big jump. That's where I was going to leave it off at. Yeah, what I saw from your side, it's a two-and-a-half-minute video. It's easy to watch for $5. You get a chance to check it out and see that stuff kind of cut up. And you can see some some things that just seem very strange, how, why, how OU was wanting them to – how Grinch was wanting his 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 defenders to, to, to cover that. And, you know, it, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, it's just some sort of match zone thing he's trying to do uh, on there. But it doesn't make any sense because if you're doing some other defenses, that backer would follow to that to the flat in, um, instead of letting the. Uh, I, I'm totally messing this about project. Well, you the don't back, have the, well, you don't have the, the answer. That's what I'm saying. I don't he didn't have but the, an answer. You didn't have yeah. one either. I, I'm yeah. But the the backer's supposed to the backer should go to the flat uh, and let the corner carry carry that guy to the inside. Instead, OU is a le- dropping off. The, the defensive the defender was dropping off almost like a cover two like covering the flat but the linebacker wouldn't shade because he's just sitting in the middle of the field so you've got like 10 yards of just free space there and they're like well this is what we do one or one or one linebacker drops in the center and then we have all this stuff here and the only way to really fix that is then the safety needs not to get caught up thinking deep and then he needs to kind of come down which happened a couple of times but you're, you're then asking three different dudes to all make three different reads <laughs> to all kind of get this stuff figured out. Um, 
It's it just super was the lack of adjustments. Yeah. It was just the lack of not adjusting. They just kept running the same stuff at it over and over and over again. And like I knew what happened in the game. I kind of see it from a all 22 view and seeing all the guys work. Like the fact that Jared Dagey didn't just throw the slant the entire time in that West Virginia game is mind-boggling. Like it literally was open the entire game. All they were doing is getting a, a running back, right? They get in the, the single receiver side. They go the running back to the flat. Receiver runs a slant. Linebacker was evading it. You could have just run zone to it maybe. A little bit, maybe a little banjo. You're passing stuff off. Who knows? But, man, no adjustment at all. And West Virginia was running it on the first drive. They were running it on the fourth quarter on the games on the line. No adjustments. They tried to adjust, and it didn't even work. I don't know. But instead of hating here, this Bedlam no. game is pretty nuts. This is no hate zone. No hate Perry zone. Perry on Winfrey's Bedlam game is nuts. Nuts. Like, that's why people are trying to get his take. Because it's like, you see the Kansas State-West Virginia games, and you see the games early in the season, and you're like, what the hell? And then you see that game, and you're like, holy shit. If he played like that the entire year, Best defensive tape from a defensive lineman I've watched yet in this draft class. That Bedlam game. Just that one alone. And what's so funny about it, Peyton, is he makes like six plays and he still jumped off sides three times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, actually, I remember that. Yeah. I remember being very mad about that. <laughs> it's amazing, man. When he wanted, hey, when that light bulb came on, he was unbelievable. Another guy was too, Nick Benito. Tell me, what am I missing? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say exactly what I have written down here. What am I missing with Nick Benito? Why is he not a guaranteed top 100 pick, Peyton? I I would assume he just doesn't have the top end measurables that people are looking at. I mean, once you get to the NFL type of stuff, I mean, you their job is to break you down completely and utterly break you down. And I could see if I'm looking from the outside in, I could I could look at Nick and go, eh. You could you could find that type of guy in the second round, in my opinion. Like I, I think you could do that, but top one hundred is a bit rough. I mean, I think that's a that that's some that's some selling low, or maybe just no one's been able to get the defensive tape either on him either. So I'm sure the uh, NFL I'm, guys I'm, can I'm get it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Those so I, I'm assholes. just not for sure what's going on on that part of it. But he doesn't seem. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. He he didn't seem like a. He, uh, to me, he doesn't have elite measurements. Um, and then he also didn't blow off the field like Avon Miller did or something like that, where it's like, okay, he's a smart, he's kind of undersized, but he had like 20 sacks. So, you know, so there's kind of a give and take there. If you're super productive, usually some of that can translate over. But if you're just kind of productive, which, I mean, he was, he was there, he got there, he got home, had sacks, sacks were lost, but he wasn't like a Will Anderson type of year, obviously. He had a very nice, good year. Dude, you want to watch – if you if I shoot you over one game, you would, like, start watching the Alabama defense, and then by about the 10th play, you just start watching what 31's doing. He just blows everything up, every single play. It's freaking nuts. Uh, amongst this conversation, I wanted to mention a name here, maybe a name that not a lot of people are talking about. I'm interested to see what Marcus Stripley could do in this defense. Because they have a lack of a kind of big body stand up, getting in a two point stance, mm-hmm. you know, Clayton Smith type, like that position. There's going to be a lot of battling to figure out who that is. 
man, I know he had that one bad penalty. I forgot in which game it was. Um, but when he got his snaps, man, he was productive a year ago. And I don't know if it was an off-the-field thing that he didn't get more or why Caleb Kelly got those snaps before he got hurt. Um, but I'm intrigued by Marcus Stripling. You remember much of any of the plays he made a year ago? No. <laughs> but I, did, I don't remember much of any of the, the that edge player that wasn't Nick, uh, to be honest with you. Sure. Anytime yeah. he wasn't on the field, I, I immediately thought, oh, shit. Oh, he's about to give up something. And usually they did. So it's, I, it's whenever they rotated those guys in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and Isaiah Thomas finish up here. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I he's going to be a top 100, top 125 pick in the NFL draft. And he's, his tape is just fantastic. It's every single game, every single game. He was making plays instinctive plays. Like the one I posted out on Twitter today, Peyton, um, where he reads the zone, basically baits the quarterback into pulling a zone read and then making a tackle for loss um, and stuff like that. Like he's, he's fantastic. Um, and that's what it, you see it on tape. Everybody knew it. Um, but as it gets getting out, as that stuff gets out, um, there's gonna be a lot of Isaiah Thomas stuff on the timeline. That's all I got on the defense, Matt. I think Oklahoma basketball is dead. It is. Absolutely. I think it's a <laughs> It is. I like on your notes is like uh, talk me off the ledge. I can't. I can't talk you off the ledge. Uh, my, my, uh, I guess, hopium, I guess, of them making the NCAA tournament, that all had to do with uh, me factoring in Elijah Harkless still being on the team, uh, now out for the rest of the season with a knee injury. So uh, I think with him being out, that also throws out their plans to go into March Madness. But I think they'll still be in the NIT. So uh, <laughs> I guess if you like NIT basketball, they gotta win them. They gotta win the rest, or at least a game. Are oh, they gonna man. win another I, game? Well, they're not. They're not beating Tech. I think they still have Tech, right? They they have to play. They is play that their tech next game. Night. Yeah, that's tomorrow. That's not. They're not gonna win at Tech. No way. Thought Isaiah so Harkless. Oklahoma State. West. They Virginia could beat West Virginia. State after that, I think they could beat West Virginia um bedlam just got a whole lot tougher um k-state i just you never know oklahoma historically not that great uh up at kansas state so man i don't know but the iowa state game that that was just like the, the was it the day before you find out elijah harkless is having like knee surgery and then you go up and you're kind of nonchalant in Friday news dump in a, in a good right. while. Yeah, exactly. And then the very next day you're playing Iowa State up at Hilton and uh, Isaiah Brockington just goes crazy. Like he goes crazy there at the end. He's just, pretty good. He's pretty, he, he can play, man. Him, I like their point guard, Tyrese Hunter, too. They both just killed OU, man. I mean, I just don't – I know we, we go through this every time we talk about the basketball team, Matt, but – it's like you got to keep talking about what's coming in, like what's coming in. But they got a lot of guys to it. Like Elijah Harkless says he's going to be back. Now, if that's at yeah. Oklahoma, I, we'll see. But, like, he says he will be back next season. Like, there's a lot of these guys returning, and they got to get a lot better or a lot more athletic. Like, and that's nothing against these guys. But, man, every game that they play, it seems like they're getting out classed and out athleted in the games yes. that they're losing and and now they're they're still only losing by like two it's like one of those things that's like 
They're still playing good basketball, but we'll see. Jordan Goldwire, I think, is playing some good ball down the stretch, which should get his haters away from him. Uh, I know as a former Duke player that hopefully he didn't take that too personally, but Jordan Goldwire developed a, a hate club over the last month until he started to go off these last couple games. Is I he back? Or is, try- is this final year? I think this is final year. Um, but I tried to tell people from the very beginning, like offense was not his thing. Like he was not, he was on some bad Duke teams and he was playing a lot, but he was not there to do offense. Like that, that wasn't his deal. Like he was a defender first. Um, it, was, it was the opposite of Bill Murray in Space Jam where he only does, <laughs> like Jordan Goldratt only does defense. I don't do offense. Don't do offense. But now, man, it, it's good to see. It's awesome to see for a guy that, you know, like we said, went to Duke. So I've watched him his entire basketball career. Um, it's awesome to finally see it like some sort of offensive game. Now, most of it is going to the free throw line, but that works out because he's a really good free throw shooter. So, I mean, I think some of it too is he's just kind of tired of like tired of this losing stuff and them being kind of just terrible on offense. Like if I can just speak freely here, they're not very good at offensively. Um, so he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to take it to the rack try to get fouled, get to the free throw line as much as possible. I think he's like an 87% free throw shooter. So he's just kind of played to his strengths, man. And the, the, the thing that I, I didn't expect was Tanner Groves just basically being played out of the lineup. Like they have, they've been having to play Ethan Chagua over him. Like, just cause he, he's, he's playing better. He, he, he needs another big, More it's, athletic. Like the Brady Manning, it's like the Brady Manning conversation. Like he went to North Carolina cause he didn't have to play center. Right. Pretty, pretty clear about that. So it is, uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see, especially these next couple months is uh, Mr. Porter Moser has put on a full fledged attack on the Lloyd Noble center should be blown up and replaced anyways, but uh, shout out to some current events around the world that I can lead into what's I'm about to say next, uh, a new basketball arena renovations to the football stadium. Uh, Anything this athletic department needs with where oil is at over the coming months should be done. Porter Moser wants a new arena. Hey, how long has the talk been about basketball having a new arena? Fill us in on that. It's been like, it's been my whole life. My dad has told me that the LNC was terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great place. I think it's been at least a decade. Or, or a little bit more that they've been some some potential serious talks of getting this stuff taken care of but at the same time OU just doesn't consistently win I think if OU had taken Blake Griffin and that momentum and then became kind of a sweet 16 consistently you know if OU basketball was like one step below OU football they would already have a new a new basketball arena the issue is, is that they're good for a couple of years. They're bad for a couple of years. They're good. And some of that is you're playing in the big, in the big 12, which is an extremely good basketball conference. So, I mean, somebody has got to be on the losing side of that, but it, it's hard to see a major appetite in that when you're not, I mean, you're just not putting people in the league. You're not, when you're not winning a bunch of games. I mean, OU is a very effective um, athletic program. It, it will invest in things that deserve to be invested in. Like look at softball. I mean, look at look at this stuff. I mean, they're getting it all taken care of. You you win, they're going to take care of you. 
you know, there's some people who are like, well, if you just give me the money now, then I'll show you what I can do with the money. Oh, he doesn't operate that way. Oh, he's never operated that way. Oh, he's like, you got to show me what you can do now. And then we'll invest in you. We're not, they're not an invest. They, 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 OU does not deal in speculative markets. That, that's not who OU is. OU will never be that. Uh, and, and that's just, and maybe that limits them to a certain degree. I mean, to be honest with you, maybe that does limit them. But when the SEC uh, paychecks start coming in, you got some more money, maybe it happens. Maybe there's a cool new, uh, you know, cool new everything kind of coming down. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see in the next five years what all the plans are for all OU's facilities. For, for sure. I was going to say Thad turnip seed with oil per, uh, per gallon or per barrel going to be over a hundred dollars. It's going to be very good for the, uh, for the athletic department at the university. Not Oklahoma. good for my gas tank. I'll tell you that. right. No, now. it's not. No, $35 no, not. to fill up. <laughs> rough. It's going to be rough, but there's going to be a brand new press box and a beautiful softball stadium for the best athletic program at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma boys. They've given up two runs in 10 games. I can't – there's nothing quantifiable to tell you how crazy this is. They're all touring no. points, what, 96-2? Yeah. to two? Something like that? Yeah, two, think, un, yeah. two unearned runs. Two unearned runs. They haven't given up an, an, an earned run yet. It's great. I mean, this it's is great. a better team. It's, it's a it – potentially at this point in time looks like a better team than – national championship team of last year i mean it's the reigning defending ncaa softball champion that gets some brock lesnar kind of talking there i mean they're the beast you gotta bring them down there's some people twitter talk, i saw some twitter talk being like oh fsu should be number one it's like what are you talking about because they beat ucla it's like oh you beat them like what do you what do you mean like what's happening here uh yeah 10 and 0 uh the home run record has been tied Am I, is that correct? It seems like probably uh, Fullerton will be the team that that gets broken against. So congratulations to uh, uh, <laughs> is it maybe they, is it at home? No, it's not. It's no, in California. no, they they play their first home game like a million years from now, March March seventh. Whoa, March seventh. No, that's a versus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. March seventh, Minnesota. March seventh. Yep. Uh, but it looks like Fullerton will be. Hopefully, they can put like a banner up or something the NCAA softball home run champion was crowned against us or something like that. That'd be kind of cool for them. Uh, Fullerton's a decent baseball program, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Well, very much so historically. Well, um, we'll fuck them on softball then. Uh, (laughs) I thought you were about to make a baseball comment. No, I mean, you you made some, you made some, you made some pretty strong statements last time we recorded on Monday night. I was going to say, and I didn't get a chance to say is the last time. Uh, the minor leagues are still happening. Go support those they teams. Are. Go support those players. Uh, just because it's a strike doesn't mean the minor leagues aren't going. Um, it's a fun time. I think you can get in for like two bucks or something. Uh, you know, or buy a hot dog and you get in for free. Thirsty, uh, thirsty Thursdays, <laughs> minor league, minor league parks. Yeah. some of the best. Go support those guys. Uh, you have to do that too because those guys get paid a, a pretty rough amount. To be honest with you, and the again, it's the same thing. Why give them more money if people aren't watching them? So it's like go support them it's a fun night out you have some beer and a pop you have some beer popcorn and hot dog and watch some dudes run around some bases play catch an exciting sometimes chaotic through the keyhole episode is now wrapped up want to thank you guys again for listening you guys please go leave us a nice little comment review on any of the podcasting platforms that you 
listened to. Thank you guys always for listening. Um, we love having feedback. Any feedback that we can get is great. Uh, and hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Peyton? Uh, one last thing before we uh, tune out. There's one, one last thing I want to say to everyone, everyone listening, uh, everyone who maybe stumbled upon us, everyone who's been part of the whole team the entire time. Uh, boomer. Boomer.